You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. So, uh, we have a refrigerator at our house, and Brother Kelly Decknicker is very familiar with this refrigerator, by the way. He's helped us fix it before. But we have a refrigerator that um, makes a, it has kind of a constant buzzing noise. You ever had an appliance that just kind of made noise all the time? And it's one of those noises that you don't really notice at all until it stops. And then when it stops, you're like, ah. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? A noise like that. It's kind of like, you know, when your kids are in the room and they finally go out and shut the door and a mom says, ah. You don't even realize how loud things were until the noise stops. Well, I just wonder if sometimes as God's people, if there's so much noise internally in our lives, we don't even know it's going on until we're somehow made aware of it. There's, there's noise in our lives, there's, there's noise in our soul, and that's the way that Jim Berg describes it. He describes it as noise, and it, noise in the soul is real. Uh, David said in Psalm 139, it's the lyrics to a, a song that we're familiar with, Search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. And the, the word thoughts there, the word for thoughts, the, the Hebrew word actually means disquieting thoughts. It means anxiety. And so the, it's interesting that he uses the word, that the word used for the definition is disquieting. Uh, because anxious thoughts kill the peace in your life. They, they cause there to be noise where there shouldn't be noise. In Psalm 40, David wrote these words, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit. And the word horrible means roar, like a crash of the waves. Have you, have you ever been to the ocean and just sat there and listened to the waves crash in? It's amazing how loud they can be. Well, that's the word for horrible pit. And so horrible pit literally means a pit of noise. And there's constant noise in David's soul. He was in such despair that it was like being trapped in a pit of noise. And listen, we may think it doesn't affect us, but we're not immune to the lack of peace. We're, we're not immune to the noise. We live in a world of noise. Paul call, called these times perilous times. And we live in perilous times. We've got noise from all corners. We've got noises from without. We've got noise from within like King David did. And tonight, I'd just like to look then at, at the second half of what we were looking at last week. And that is, um, we, must fir- we must take the time to notice the noise. We must take the time to notice the noise in our souls. Noise is produced by creating a disturbance like... You know, if you've ever seen a, 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 on a still morning, you've got a beautiful pond or a lake and it's just crystal clear and it's glass and you throw a rock in the middle of it and what does it do? It creates ripples. And from that rock, the ripples go out and what was once still, now there are ripples through it. And in the spiritual realm, noise in the soul consists of a thought that lands in the middle of your peace and causes ripples through your soul. 
Now, and all, all, all can be peace. I mean, everything can be good and you're having a great day and suddenly some thought of guilt jumps into your mind. Has this happened to you? You're, you're rolling along and everything seems great, but suddenly there's a thought that, that plops in the middle of that, of that peaceful pond that is your soul. There's a feeling of guilt or a feeling of anxiety. There's a feeling of shame of something that you did. Uh, it's, there's a feeling of some responsibility that you haven't finished yet. And there's a deadline. There, it just ripples across the soul. So, I mean, what does noise in the soul sound like, though? I mean, we, we need to evaluate the noise because we need to know the sounds. And, and we're going to get to Matthew 11. Again, it's kind of a, a, a different place to come into the message. We'll get to it in a minute. But we need to evaluate the noise in our souls. I'm asking you tonight to do an evaluation. What noise fills your soul? What is the noise in your life right now? What is it that's causing you to be unsettled? What is it that's causing you to be convicted? What is it that's causing you to have anxiety? Um, for some of us, it's sounds of anxiety and fear. Uh, what if something, you know, there are people that say uh, constantly in their minds are thinking, what if something bad happens? You know, I preached a message last year and I want to preach it again, kind of. I, I called it what if or what is. And it's easy to focus on what if and what if this happens and what if you know, I'm, when, every time my children leave my house, I'm just being honest, when now that they're driving and they're going across town or they're going to drive in weather, and I'm, in my mind, I have to help myself think, well, wait, well what, what, if, what if there's a bad driver or what if they have an incident on the road and, and I'm not with them? You know, we left our daughter in Oklahoma for college and I'm thinking, well, what if something happens and I'm not there? You know, we could really drive ourselves crazy about all the what ifs in life. And instead of focusing on what if, we need to focus on what is. And the truth is that God is sovereign and he's in control. And he loves that girl more than I ever could. And so who am I to think that it can only go well if I'm with her. Because God loves her and he can actually take care of her in ways I never could dream of. So what if though? We're very good at what if something bad happens? What if, what if the economy collapses? What if I lose this job? What about the coronavirus? What if this bill passes? What if this person gets elected? Listen, all the what ifs have already happened. So <laughs> anxiety and fear stem from thoughts of worry or, or vulnerability or uncertainty. Are there thoughts of sound? Are there sounds of anxiety and fear in your life tonight? Are there sounds of discouragement and despair? These thoughts of hopelessness? You know, we have these thoughts. This is never going to get better. This is never going to be fixed. We have thoughts of defeat and we think, well, in my life I have the same sin. It's the same problem. It's been happening every day for my whole life. I cannot get rid of it. I'll never get over this. What, what, what if I never get over it? I mean, I, this, this is never going to happen. I, I cannot beat this. So we have thoughts of self-pity sometimes. No one has it as bad as me. You know, nobody knows what I've been through. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You know, we have thoughts of self-pity. I know people right now, it literally feels like there's no way out of their situation. And I've talked to them, I've dealt with them in, in a relationship or in their finances or in their health. What, what's the noise in your soul? Are they sounds of anger and frustration? You know, it's amazing how angry our world is, isn't it? 
You know, thoughts of hurt in your life. Maybe many times anger is driven by some hurt in your past, and it's a hurt that hasn't been dealt with. As Pastor Hardy preached a couple of weeks ago, and it, you know, it's a wound, and God wants to heal it, and He wants to turn it to a scar. And yet, I, I combine that with Brother Herring's message back in September. That amazing message about forgiveness and how you know we can get wounds and. And, and they start to scab over, but we don't really want to let go of it. So anytime there's a chance to bring it back up and think about it or show somebody, we rip the scab off again and it starts bleeding again and we won't let that wound become a scar. We bring it up over and over and over. And maybe that's the thought of, of noise in your soul if that somebody hurt you, somebody did something to you and you just cannot let go of it or you're maybe you're angry because you're driven by some unmet expectations and someone let you down and you think well they ruined my life and I'm the way I am because of them and I wouldn't be the way I am without them and sounds of anger and frustration are filling your soul maybe there's sounds of bitterness and hatred and you've experienced some injustice and you have contempt and and you you, you daydream about revenge you know, injustice is real. I mean, the, life is unfair. But many people can't get past it. You know, I, I, you know, they think, I did everything right and look what they did. Or I did everything right and that still happened to me. Well, I would contend with you that only one person has ever done everything right. His name is Jesus Christ. And, and if anybody didn't deserve any injustice, it was him. And yet he dealt with injustice far worse than any of us will ever face in our lives. And so for us to have self-pity and for us to think well, we're, it's worse for us than anybody. And for us to dwell on the injustice in life, really uh, we deserve probably worse. There's far too much hatred in this world. And, and I imagine there are some among God's people that have the noise of hatred in their lives or the noise of revenge. And there's so much noise that you just focused on retribution. You're focused on, you know, what would it be like? I've known people and it's like all they can think about, is what it would be like if, if I could be there and see them get what's coming to them. You know, talk about a miserable life. When, when you think that, it, that it's up to you to think about how retribution should be and what it should look like, the most miserable people I've ever met are ones who refuse to forgive. And revenge seems so sweet and, and they dwell on it and imagine it being played out. But what a miserable pit. I just want to remind you, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, Romans 12. Let him take care of the injustices you faced. Maybe in your life there are sounds of lust and greed. Well, you talk about noise in a soul in the lives of so many. I, thoughts of illicit pleasure and indulgence and covetousness. Listen, there are thing, there, these are the things that you shouldn't want, but you do. And it's amazing how obsessive a person's thinking can become about something that they want. They're always thinking, when can I do that next? And when can I get that next? Or how can I look at that again? Or how could I be with them again? And Lust and greed are established on this thought of covetousness, where you want something you don't have. And I think it's good for us to remember that covetousness is one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. But if we could read the average Christian's thought bubbles, I wonder if, if many might be like, well, why do they have that car? Well, I deserve a job like that, or I deserve a house like that, or... Uh, if anybody should have it better, it should be me. I deserve it. Why do they get it? 
And to make matters worse, you know, we, everywhere you look, there are advertisements. And those ads are made to create a need for something in your life that you don't have already while making you discontent with what you already have. Especially this time of year, advertisements. Are there sounds of, of guilt and shame in your life right now? The, the thoughts of remorse over sin or embarrassment over failure? And again, I, I've already said it's amazing how long feelings of guilt or shame can pop up years after something happened. I remember, um, I remember things in elementary school. And I think I, I was embarrassed. I did something dumb. I mean, believe it or not. I mean, did something dumb. And as an elementary school kid, I should be way past it. But my, my face still kind of gets flush when I think about, oh, my word, that was so dumb. I can't believe I did that. You know, I don't know if, if you're like that. Maybe I'm just too sensitive. But, but it's amazing how long those, those feelings of guilt or shame can plague us. And maybe that's the noise in your soul is because you made a mistake or you had a failure and people know about it and you just can't get over that. But you know that, did you know that guilty conscience you have? That, that might be the loudest noisemaker in our souls, by the way. Uh, it might be the, that might be that which causes the most noise is guilt. Because we know we're guilty and, and it's so heavy. But let me just remind you this. On the flip side, that's what it's designed to do. Your conscience, the Holy Spirit, by the way, whenever he, he brings up some, some feeling of guilt, I'm not talking about embarrassment that's not sin. I mean, I mean sin that causes a feeling of guilt. You know that's an alarm system. It's designed to go off in your life when you've done something you shouldn't do. You know, it's, it's God's way of protecting us. It's kind of like if you've ever, and I've done this before, and, oh, my face is going to get flushed. I'm thinking about it. I walk out a, 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 an emergency door that I'm not supposed to go out, and the alarm goes off, and the whole restaurant stops and looks at you because you just went out the wrong door. I mean, and that's silly, but honestly, that really is a picture of what our, our, our conscience, the, the Holy Spirit places in us because that alarm is supposed to go off if I'm going the wrong direction. That alarm is supposed to sound and let me know that what I'm doing is not right and that God's not pleased with it. It's actually an alarm of mercy. That God would let me know that I'm doing the wrong thing and I need to take a, do a 180 and go the other direction. If you don't deal with it though, and that alarm keeps going off and you just keep walking through the door, well, you talk about noise. Somebody who knows they're in sin and they keep doing it, uh, boy, that's a noisy soul. Are there sounds of responsibility and positions in your life? These, these aren't all bad. We all have responsibilities and we all have to-do lists. And if you're like me, it seems like I'm always adding something to the to-do list and I never get to take anything off the to-do list. But life roles that require something of us they create noise too. I mean, if you're a husband, you're a wife, you're a mom, or you're a dad, or you're a son, or a daughter, or a sister, or brother, or maybe you serve in some capacity here at church, or you're an employee, uh, or in your community, you've got responsibilities because of your roles in your life. And listen, if you have responsibilities, they can become loud. There's lots of pressure there's to-do lists and there are obligations and there are deadlines and there are problems that come up. You've got to solve them and uh, you've got job performance and 
and you've got evaluations, you've got the meeting of demands of other people in your life. You're just trying to serve others and trying to be maybe a good housewife or a good homeschool mom. And yet you've got to balance taking care of the house, taking care of the kids, teaching the kids and getting through school. I'm telling you, the load of responsibility because of your roles, it can create a lot of noise. And you, you, I could get to the place where the responsibilities in my life, on my heart, they get so loud that I just, I just want to throw it all away and drive away. I'm not saying I do, but sometimes it feels overwhelming. And, and I'm telling you, it gets noisy. You got sounds of addiction. Maybe somebody in here might be dealing with bondage in, in a habit that you've got. Drugs or alcohol and Self, self-indulgence or self-harm, pornography. I mean, those are, these, these are serious, serious issues. And then now, so then you've got, if you've got something in your life that is, is creating noise, now add the noise of trying to keep it a secret on top of that. It's noisy enough, right? If you've ever had a secret that you, you didn't want somebody to find out, well, now you've got to cover it up and you've got to hide it you don't want anybody to know that the secret is happening and that it's in your life. And so that's added noise on top of the noise of guilt and shame that's already there. The noise just gets louder. What about sounds of entertainment? Sounds of recreation. And these, these, these are thoughts that, are, that you've got to be entertained and, and distracted. You know, I was in Judy's office today making copies of something and Mia was there. And I'm not, I'm not trying to tell on Mia, but, but Mia was like, you know, no, no, what am I going to do? I'm bored. You know, and, and, and I get that. I've got children too. My kids say the same thing. And I'm like, you, you got more, Le- Jace has more Legos than you could ever dream to build. Go play with your Legos. And there's plenty of stuff to do. But I remember being that way. By the way, kids these days don't know how good they have it. Okay, I'm not going to go into that. Try driving. How about all the cross-country trips we took? And we would say, what are we supposed to do on board? And your parents would say, look out the window. That's all you get to do. You know, I, I get it. I understand. But, you know, as adults, if we're bored, we feel like we have to distract ourselves. And we've got to always be on the phone. We've got to be watching something or listening some, to something. We've got sports. We've got video games. I mean, it's amazing how many adults spend a lot of hours on video games. You know, and we've got to constantly have something new. And rather than just being plotters and being content with what we've got to do, we want something to entertain us. And distractions are noisy. And that's why we like it. You know, we don't want to have to think about all that's going on and what needs to be addressed. We want to be distracted. And so the collective noise, listen, these collective noises, uh, it's deafening. You've got anxiety and discouragement and anger and bitterness and lust and guilt and responsibility and addictions and entertainment distractions. You know, that doesn't sound anything like what Christ promised in John 14 when he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus was telling his disciples that you're supposed to be people that have peace. You should be people that have rest. And Jesus wants you to have peace. That's why he he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. But God-centered souls are not noisy. They're at rest. And before we think this isn't all that important, noise in your soul has consequences on your body. I was reading about some of these today, and 
a noisy soul, it promotes the destruction of the body. I, I've preached about this before. Stress-related illnesses and complications. Many, many of the, and I don't remember their percentage, but a large percentage of doctor visits these days are directly connected to stress. And stress has, has effects on your gastrointestinal um, problems and ulcers, upset, upset stomachs, and uh, your, your cardiac difficulties, your autoimmune system. All of those things, they go back to stress and how you're not handling stress. Sleep disorders, I mean, they're related to stress and wrongly handled pressure. It affects your body. It affects you spiritually. It, a noisy soul indicates also that you have separation in your relationship with God and and the distance between us and God, sometimes we think, well, you know, it's just a harmless gap. And I'm just not where I was a few months ago, but I'll get back there. It'll be okay. I don't think we realize how dangerous it is to have distance between us and God. And here's why. Because the distance, the gap between you and the Lord is going to be filled with something inferior. It becomes noise. You fill in that gap with these troubling thoughts and the anxiety and the fear or, or the distractions. And none of those are as good for you as a relationship of closeness with God. Noise further masks his voice. So if there's a gap, listen, I'm telling you, if there's a gap between you and the Lord today, you, you better fix it. Because it'll be filled with something inferior and what it fills will only make it worse. So what's God's cure for noise in the soul? Well, we finally come to Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Let's read it. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what Jesus says is the cure for the noise in your soul? He says, come to me. Come on, come to me. Now, I just want you to remember what Christ's original audience was facing. These were the Pharisees and the religious leaders and those that were impacted by the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And would you say that their religion was one of faith or was it one of works? It was works. So these were people that were grinding as hard as they could in, in, in the name of religion, trying to climb the religious ladder, trying to please God and do everything right. And can you imagine the anxiety that that would, that would fill your soul with? I mean, I, I'm so glad as a Bible-believing independent Baptist that we don't have a religion or relationship with God that's based on our works and if I'm good enough to keep it. Can you imagine what that would do to you at night trying to sleep? Have I done enough? Is God pleased with this? Does God still love me? Have I done enough to earn it? And, and we have works-based religions all around us in Sioux Falls. Can you imagine the anxiety they feel at night? And they say we have it easy. No, I just say we have it biblically right. Because we know we can't do enough to please God. It's not possible. Jesus Christ did all the work, and I'm going to rest in that. Just, I mean, a faith-based relationship with God, knowing you can't do enough. I mean, talk about a, a, a superior way, because Jesus' audience were beaten down and burdened down, 
And he comes to them and he says, rest is possible. You don't have to be this way. He doesn't say, clean up and come see me, by the way. I said this last week, but he says, I can help you with your burden. The creator looked at the creation that were beaten and burdened down and said, come right now. Come as you are. Come in your condition. Come to me. I can actually provide the rest that you long for. And I'm so thankful for that. They were beaten and burdened because they had the wrong focus. Instead of being, having a Godward focus, they had a self-focus. You know, we need a Godward focus in our relationship with God. Uh, he says, abide in me and I in you, in John 15, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. I thought, man, that's a thought we should be thinking about every day. Without Christ, we can do nothing. But we so often live our days as if it's all up to us. And we have a self-focus. And far too many of us probably live this way. And, and so Jim Berg wrote this, he, a, reverse, a, a, a reversed standard version of Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. He says, avoid me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will deny you rest. Refuse my yoke of fellowship and abiding and refuse to learn what I am like in order to become like me and you will find noise in your souls. And I think that probably describes many of God's people. So what's God's cure? What's God's cure? What does he say is the cure for, for the unrest and the noise? Well, he says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He says, come be like me. He said, you know, he says, I'm meek and I'm lowly. You know what Jesus says is the key to curing your unrest? He says, is humble yourself. He says, I'm meek and lowly. I'm meek in that I have all power, but I submit to my father. He says, I am lowly in heart in that I'm willing to bend down and wash the disciples' feet and humble myself. You know what Jesus was saying? Here's Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. He was there at creation. He's been there all along. But he was willing to submit to his Father and be governed. And yet, who are we to think, well, you know, I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody's help. No, most of our noise is caused when we try to gain or regain control over our lives. And we, we fight against God's authority in our lives. Or, or, and our biggest source of noise is fueled by pride. And pride is, it, pride whines and pouts. You know, someone that's full of pride, they whine and pout. And they, they let it be known when they're unhappy. They, pride shouts. Pride demands its way. Pride argues and debates. Pride covets and grasps at control. Pride screams and retaliates. Pride shifts blame and points fingers. Pride lusts and indulges. Pride manipulates and schemes. Pride drives and obsesses. Pride worries and frets. You can trace most of the noise in your soul to pride. Pride's full of self. It's self-absorbed, self-asserted, self-protected, self-promoting. It's, it's, it's uh, self-confident. Pride cries out, I will not. I must have. I don't have to. I won't let that happen. I can't take this anymore. I don't like that. That's pride. Self, I'm telling you, 
Self is a relentless noisemaker. Like the wind blowing tonight. You know what David wrote something? It's, it's pretty fascinating. In Psalm 131, he wrote this. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, no, that, listen, you've, you've been around an infant, a hungry infant. I mean, I'm telling you, it's a raging monster. This self-interest and self-focus of an infant who's hungry, I'm telling you, they're, they're noisy. And they will not rest until they get what they want. So what David is saying is that a baby, an infant, makes all this noise because it's all about what they want. But when an infant is weaned or there's some maturity, they become quiet and peaceful. And so what David is saying and what Jesus is saying is if you will humble yourself and release self, have some spiritual maturity, you'll start to find rest in your soul. See, Jesus' life was not about himself. I mean, he says, learn of me, I'm your pattern. And he's, here's the kind of humility, it shows up in our spirit in certain areas. And if you're humbly learning to be like Christ, here are the kind of things that you'll be. You will be, you will be have a continual spirit of repentance toward God. If you, are, if you are learning of Christ, then you'll be humble about yourself before God. I have a tough time imagining that somebody that's full of pride with other people um, actually really has a humble walk with God. Because if you have a true walk with God and you see yourself for who you really are, well, you don't see yourself as any better than anybody else either. But if you are learning of Christ, you'll have a, a, a continual spirit of repentance about your sin and you won't be resistant or defensive about it. You'll also have a continual spirit of dependence on God. Meaning you're not going to live every day thinking it's, you know, it's all up to me to make this happen. No, if you're learning of Christ, you'll be dependent on God because he was dependent on God. If you're learning of Christ, you'll also have a continual spirit of deference toward other people. This is a big one, folks. If you really are learning about Christ, you'll defer to other people. You won't have to win every argument. You won't have to win every conversation. You won't have to have every last word. We do that. We're really good at that. But if you're learning of Christ, there'll be a spirit of deference in you. There'll also be a spirit of servitude in you. Meaning that you'll be willing to serve and be a blessing to other people. You know, the most selfish people, they don't do anything for somebody else. But it's amazing how God can flip our spirit if we just start serving. If I would just humble myself and try to be a blessing to somebody else... It does something to change my spirit. And listen, if I'm learning of Christ, Jesus Christ was all about other people, serving others. He came not to minister, to be ministered unto, but to minister, to serve. So you've come to Christ and you purpose to be like him. And if you want to, if you want to have quiet in your soul, you've got to come to him and learn of him. So many people try to treat the symptoms, the noise. They try to drown out the noise rather than fix it. That'd be like taking aspirin for a tumor. You've you got to go to the root. And at the root of noise is self. Pride. In order to truly begin to change the noise, we've got to be like Christ who is meek and lowly in heart. A spirit of repentance and dependence and uh, indifference and servitude. That will let you and everyone else know that you're learning 
Jesus, meek and lowly. I'm asking you tonight, where's your noise coming from? You ever had a cricket in your house? I'm telling you, I've spent many times at night with a flashlight or in a shoe or a shotgun or anything <laughs> trying to find a cricket, trying to get rid of the noise because if the, the cricket's making noise, guess what I'm not doing? I'm not sleeping. Well, there's noise in your soul tonight. And it's like a cricket and it just keeps you awake. Well, it's time to root it out. It's time to find its location and blow it away. Or else you're not going to get any rest, friends. Whatever noise is in your soul, it's time to root it out and find out where it's coming from. And it starts, the cure starts with humility, just like Jesus. To learn of me, who is meek and lowly in heart. Be like Jesus in both in your spirit, both before God and others. And I'm telling you, he'll start to root out that noise of pride. Your humility is the key, the first key to finding rest in your soul. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.